Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I am so excited about today's podcast guest and I know that you're going to be as well. I sometimes like think if like your younger self could know that the situation that you'd find yourself in in the future um, it, it's just amazing she is a total icon big hits include Murder on the Dance Floor she is going on tour next month with her Kitchen Disco tour which let's be honest got a lot of us through lockdown and I'm just shocked that you've actually got the time to even be on the podcast at all because you are a mum to five children, five boys nonetheless. It is Sophie Ellis-Bexter, the icon. How are you? Good, yeah. I, of course I said yes. Not only is it lovely to speak to you, but it's also quite nice to uh, shut myself in a room for a little while. And <laughs> <laughs> a bit of your time. How do you find the juggle with five boys? Well, I've been a mum for nearly 18 years now. My oldest is going to be 18 in April. So I guess it's kind of the life we know for, for quite a long time now. And I think whilst there's more of them, the essence of what you get up to and how you shape it hasn't really shifted that much. So um, I've been lucky enough to have lots of support around me. I think it helps that I love what I do and I sometimes bring them with me. No two weeks are exactly the same shape, but you, there's a sort of familiar style to what normally needs to happen when there's work and how it all kind of how it all tessellates and I think by and large I think I have it easier than a lot of other working women because I have always got the ability to say oh no I can't work then or is it okay if my baby brink comes too and not everybody can do that so I've exploited that. It's so interesting because um, on this podcast, like my son Alf's just recently turned one and a lot of people I speak to, it's about the mum identity and that journey into motherhood. And you're the, actually the first person I've spoken to that is so into motherhood, 18 years into motherhood. But do you remember when you very first became a mum, what that mum identity was like for you? And did you like struggle with the identity? Well, yeah, and funnily enough, I think it's something that's obviously whilst it's been yeah I've been a mum for a long time I think it's something that's still in my mind which is partly why I started my own podcast uh, where I speak to working women who happen to be mums because it it doesn't really stop I don't think it's an it's an ever-evolving relationship you have with with your children but with motherhood as a role and and with your day job too yeah I do remember really well actually when I had my first because I found it surprisingly isolating in some ways I never doubted that I wanted to be a mum uh, I had a lovely baby I was besotted with but I think 
you know, it just sort of took me outside of myself a little bit and going back into work, I actually took ages. Um, I really took my time in my first, I kind of got my pace up more, the more babies I had, but certainly with the first one with Sunny, I didn't go back to work for quite a long time really. And I think part of that is because I didn't really know exactly which bits of myself still felt, I don't know, like I wanted to carry them forward really and which bits needed a bit of a shake up. Did you feel pressure as a as a pop star, as a, a female musician that did you find like you didn't know whether you could still do it? Like obviously I'm still in this sort of like motherhood identity thing and I was DJing like three, four times a night, uh, a week before Alf came along and I felt like... <gasps> oh, I'm just a mum now. And I don't know why I have this sort of like negative stereotype of what a mum is or, you know, what a mum can do. And I don't know if a lot of it comes from the industry to to an extent or it's our own like prejudices, but I feel like I'm coming through that side now and I, I'm learning that who I am and who I, which bits of the old me I want to like carry forward. But when you first um, found out that you were having a baby, did it did it worry you that how it would impact your career? Well, I had to think about that quite early on because whilst Sonny was always a a wanted baby once I knew he was coming, he wasn't a planned baby. So I found out I was pregnant when I, Richard and I, my husband, we hadn't been going out very long. We'd been going out for about a month and a half. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and I'd also just started promoting my second album. So I was literally releasing my first single from my second album when I realised I was having a baby and I, I knew that was going to be quite a big deal for the record company to get their head around. And I didn't really know exactly how it's going to follow out either. And I, I'm, I'm not saying I was by any means the first person to be in that situation. But at that time, it just wasn't really... I didn't really feel like there were a lot of women out there that I saw as examples of young women in their 20s still working through parenthood and being pregnant and all these things. I don't remember feeling like I saw I was 24 at the time and I know that's not like crazy young or anything but God, it feels young to me because I, I was 34 when I had Alf that's funny you say that because I had when I had my third which was when I was 33 it was the first time I had girlfriends having babies at the same time as me so I think it did that seemed to be more like a, a more typical age to have your first baby but um but yeah when I had Sunny I just just none of my friends had babies uh I didn't really know any other singers at my age who had babies so I didn't really know what it was supposed to be. And like you, I thought, well, what is what is a pregnant and then a, a pop star who's also got a kid? And actually in the press, I felt like a lot of the angle of having a baby was sort of done in a slightly mocking way almost. Like, oh, well, she's going to find it really hard to keep doing what she's doing because now she's going to be changing nappies. And everything about motherhood, as far as my day job was concerned, seemed like a very... Un, unglamorous bedfellow <laughs> you know kind of frumpy and tricksy I think happily so there's a lot more support now and a lot more role models around that express, you know can show you how you can do it and actually we're sort of better maybe at having the language of how to talk it through and what works for us yes but I know what you mean especially in the night nighttime world nobody really seems to talk that much about having kids it's so interesting because obviously like completely different genre of music and completely different person to you but another um like very successful female in the music industry um who had a baby at the pinnacle of her career recently was cardi b and i remember in the press even though this is what like 10 well 18 years later i remember the sentiment was silly girl she's just got the taste of success and now she's 
screwing it all up because she's chosen to have a baby and she's obviously like a really outspoken person I love following her on social media I think she's such a like powerful woman in the way that she speaks her mind and stands up for what she believes in and I remember her saying like just you wait I'm going to prove to you that I, I can and I will do both I know we're going back such a long time for you but when you when you first give gave birth and you didn't have friends um, and especially not anyone in in your industry in your world what was that like like were, were you in like a really positive baby bubble or were you thinking like shit what have I done or I'm lonely or a bit of everything I think I think actually the primary primarily I felt really happy you know I I didn't have the easiest pregnancy and I got something called preeclampsia which meant that I really wasn't thriving I didn't feel very good at being pregnant what is preeclampsia I, I hear it I hear the term a lot but I I haven't I actually don't know what it is or what you know when you go for your pregnancy checkups and they make you wee in a pot yeah uh, part is why because they, basically they're testing to see that everything is your your liver is working well enough and that there's no uh protein going into your wee which means basically that your placenta is not working so well with your body so essentially what preeclampsia is, is to do with the body's re- rejection of the placenta. And it's it's not something that's unusual, but it's most women, if they get it, they'll get it quite mildly and it can be managed. And then for some women, they'll get it more um, in a more serious way. And the actual breakdown of the words is that the eclampsia part comes from the Greek, I think it is for lightning, because basically if you're, if it goes unchecked, then the mother can go into a coma if everything kind of escalates. Um, wow. So it's like pre, pre-coma, pre-lightning strike. I just thought I wasn't very good at being pregnant and I wasn't really being checked that often because of the textbooks. I was a young, healthy young woman, so that shouldn't have been something they were looking out for because typically it's older women that it happens to. And so I went for a checkup and I was actually diagnosed with it the same week I actually ended up having him. So, so Sunny was born at 32 weeks. And he was only three and a half pounds. And it was, it was just a bit of a shock, but I mainly I felt happy because he was, I just fell head over heels in love with him. You know, suddenly you, all the idea you have of who this baby's going to be, I didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl or anything. Suddenly it's just them. And I feel like it was only ever going to be him. And there he is. And um, I think for me and for Richard, really, we felt we had to set the tone a little bit because he was in hospital for quite a while. And so people weren't sure whether they should congratulate us or not. And it took a while to bring him home. But mainly I was just really excited. I was like, there's my baby. And I think something kicks in a little bit, really, when you're a new mum. Well, sometimes anyway. And I just felt like, yeah, I I, I feel I feel like I, I might not know everything about being a mum, but I'm happy to take on being his mum. Oh, that's so lovely. Did you work during your pregnancy or what were you doing at the time? I know that you just brought out your second album. Uh, so I did a little bit of work, but not really. I got to the second single and then they just we just called it quits. I couldn't I you know, start to get near the point. I couldn't travel. So yeah, we just kind of stopped. The album was sort of slightly stopped in its tracks. It still came out, but it, I stopped promoting really. So I did, I did a bit of songwriting, I think, when I was pregnant, but and, you know, a bit aimless. And then I had him quite early, as I said. So I, I kind of all, I, I immediately I was just, that all stopped. And then I took ages. So I didn't actually, I think I started gently doing a bit of songwriting, maybe when he was about six months or something, maybe a bit older. But I just really took my time making my third album because I thought, well, I've already been away for a little while. So I might as well be away for as long as I need. And I took, I think, a couple of years to finish that record. And it was really nice. But I wasn't really ready to go any quicker than that. I didn't really, I needed to feel my way a little bit, I think. 
it's really interesting as well, like you said, that um, you and your husband had only been together a month and a half when you fell pregnant because um, Tommy and I were together about three months and it was an amazing surprise, but a surprise. And it also coincided with lockdown. But what was it like in the, I mean, obviously you're still together, so it, it obviously went really well, but how did you cope or how did you navigate the change in relationship when you became parents well I think in a way it was sort of did us a favor in that we were always we were always three like pretty much from the get-go I felt like we were family whilst I had much more experience with babies so I was a lot more relaxed about that aspect I'm the eldest in my family and I've got brothers and sisters on both my dad and my stepmom's side and my mum and stepdad's side so I had all combined three sisters and two brothers, all of whom much younger than me. So I'd looked after a lot of small people. So I think he took confidence of that side from me, but then he's also very calm about things. I think, I don't know, it sounds really ludicrous, but I think, I think it didn't really surprise us quite as much as it probably should have done. It felt like, oh yeah, of course that's happened. I don't know. And it's not because we were talking about it. It was just, I think everything that had gone on between us getting together and the speed of our, romance and knowing it was serious meant that it just was like oh yeah well of course and then there's a baby I don't know I suppose you don't know otherwise do you like Tom and I always think like sometimes we really wish that we'd had that bit longer where it was just us but then we obviously wouldn't wish anything away either no I like the fact that we were just as like a little unit you know so we've always had Sonny or the idea of him from really pretty much the beginning and I think in a weird way it kind of kind of consolidated everything really the funny thing is because because Sonny was born early, we'd actually only been going out for eight months when he was born. And that was a bit like a bit, a bit silly, really. But um, and Richard only moved in two weeks before he was born, things like that. So it was all very a bit scrappy. But, you know, I think in a weird way as well, it prepares you a little bit for parenthood because there's so much of it you can't plan. So much of it is reacting. You react to the person that you give birth to and what they need from you. You know, you might have ideas of what kind of parent you want to be. But really, you've got to find out the other side of the equation. Like, what does this small person need from me? Did you know that you wanted a big family? I think that just sort of started to happen, really. I mean, actually, for the first bit, I was really, I think the first baby, really, like, it was such a big life change. that I didn't even think about having a baby for ages. And so there's quite a big gap between my first two. It was five years. And it was really only after that that I thought, when Kit got to about three, I thought, oh, one more would be nice. And then I thought, oh, no, I want another one. And then another one. <laughs> Each time that you have a new baby, because I'm obviously, I feel like the moment you have one, people start to always ask, are you going to have another? Would you like a girl? Like whatever it is. And I feel like I'm only just kind of coming out of the, the whirlwind of Alf. And also I, I personally like don't care if if I were to have another one, I'd feel really lucky if I could, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't care about the sex of the baby. But did you find that each that each one you were more prepared or was it like a whole new unique experience with each one um more prepared with what you mean like how your life is or emotionally yeah because see I feel like I've been on such a whirlwind in the last 12 months which I've obviously documented on social media and this podcast but I feel like I've been to some like really dark places from when Alf was about six months to about 11 months so now I'm coming out of it and I'm really enjoying it but there was periods in that time where I was thinking like what have I done and I like really struggled with that new identity of who I was as a mom I miss my old 
life so much obviously lockdown coincides with this and the world changed so much anyway that it was almost I just felt like a bomb had gone off and turned my world upside down and so now when I even like think about sort of whether I would want another one or not and to be honest I don't know if I'll ever plan it but did you feel that the first one was harder or that because you'd already had one that the, the second one was easier um, or is each one like a kind of you think you've got it figured out and then a new little personality comes along and you almost have to like do it all from you. I think nothing nothing knocks you like the first one in my experience anyway. Like that first baby, like nothing, nothing ever felt as dramatic after that. And and like you, I definitely felt like I don't, I literally don't really know who I am at the moment. And I felt a bit, I felt a bit like it's a bit, it sort of homogenized me a little bit. I felt like it sort of knocked the corners off me a little bit, like not quite knowing exactly where I was. And I think that also coincided with Richard's band. Uh, he was, he just started a band called The Feeling when we started going out. When Sonny was about, I don't know, one, just come up to one, they signed a really big record deal and it was all really exciting. And that was wonderful. But then I'd go to their gigs and then I'd meet people from their, you know, their PR team or their record label. And there was this sort of inference of like, well, I won't really ask you what you're up to with your work because now you're just a mum, aren't you? That's what you do. And it it made me feel really weird. Like, well, of course, I love being a mum, but like my day job is really important to me. Like, that's a big part of my identity and what makes me tick. So I think finding that again for myself was really significant and I really needed that. And now I'm much better at understanding that and the role that it has. What advice would you give to, to new mums like me or even earlier who are going through that sort of identity battle? I think I think support is great and talking is great. I think the fact that you've, I bet you've found some amazing people who've responded and just a comment to something you've put has just made you feel less alone. Because I think those things knocking around your head late at night that's that's tough and I think the fact that now I've got so many forums and abilities to connect with people for those moments it's really healthy you will have helped people by being open about how you feel being open about it is, is a brilliant way to start don't bottle it all up no one out there feels like they've got it all the time anywhere I promise you everybody's having crisis of confidence and feeling scrappy and and it doesn't really stop as well you know just because they get older the way things they need from you you know that you are going to sort of you're not going to be a perfect parent and that doesn't really exist. So you have to be kind of forgiving with yourself. And then the second thing I think that, that really helped me was the support I had around me in terms of like, um, well, Richard, obviously, but my mum was really great with advice. And because she was a working mother, she just encouraged me to not give up being selfish enough to want the things that matter to me. And I think that really gave me permission, really, and still does. I still occasionally will have a wobble and say, Oh, I feel really bad. I'm about to go away for three nights. And she'll say, it's what you do and they'll be fine. And it's it's true. They are fine. And it is what I do. They, they will just accept it, won't they? Like anytime my parents were working, I, I never thought it was just what mum and dad go to work. Exactly. It's always worse in your head. And those bits when you're doing what you do, they're really significant for you and they mean a lot. And for them, it's just, you know, what you did the other night. They're not going to think about it at all. And um, yeah, so I think that's really important. But I think, yeah, I think mainly actually it's probably the talking. I think that's probably the best thing, really. I know when I had Sonny, I did feel quite cut off. I had no, no mates. And because he was born early, I hadn't done NCT. I wasn't a member of any 
local new mum groups. So I just didn't feel like I knew anyone. And my girlfriends, you know, they were all in a different life stage then. And so when we'd meet up for supper and for me, that was a big deal that I'd gone out and I knew I was missing bath time and bedtime. And then if they'd turn up 20 minutes late, they'd be like, oh, sorry, I'm late. And to me, I was like, you don't understand. I could have read the bedtime story if I'd known you're going to be late, that kind of thing. But yeah, but you know, everybody has their own thing going on. So I think, I think having a bit of companionship is really invaluable actually. So just find a couple of people that you feel happy confiding in and then, and then do it as often as you need. I feel like there's really good, um, like places to meet people now that probably didn't exist yeah. um, like for you as well, whether that's social media or I think there's a really great app called Peanut or even just like Facebook support pages. I feel like you can really find people that are much more aligned with you and your interests who live nearby. Exactly. No, that's really good. Yeah. Obviously you became um, a mum to five boys in 2019 and then we entered lockdown in, in March, 2020. How did that change your world and how did it feel really different raising a baby in such different circumstances? Cause obviously I've never known anything different and people will always say to me, I feel so sorry for you that you had to be pregnant or, you know, do it in lockdown. But at the time I was like, well, I, I don't really know how it would be any different. I mean, I suppose with the with the lockdown and with the pandemic in general, I think the hardest aspects were probably trying to make sure my kids felt safe and happy and secure when Richard and I didn't really know what the hell was happening and where everything would head. And obviously that goes from the practical, you know, all oh, my work's gone and what do I do about that? And then the, the really personal stuff like worrying about our parents and all that kind of stuff. But we just spoke to them, um, tried to make sure that we kind of got into some kind of shape of the day, which happened quite naturally, I think, and actually took a lot of pressure off. At the beginning when we were trying to do all the homeschooling and all of that, that was actually the worst bit when I look back because everything was really new and different. And, you know, if I wanted to homeschool my kids, I'd already be doing it. Like I already knew that was not something I was keen to do. So suddenly finding yourself trying to keep an eye on and I think at the time I'm trying to remember what was going on so yeah one approaching GCSEs one last year of of primary one sort of middle of primary one in nursery and one little one crawling around terribly really different stages different levels of uh, competency when it came to you know working independently and that kind of stuff and I was like what am I doing this is actually absurd occasionally I'll find myself thinking that you know, there's a woman who lives in my head and she's she's very similar to me in that she's got the same number of children and similar setup, except that she gets everything done really well. Like she's excellent at it. And so whenever I get stressed or something goes wrong, I feel like I've, I've failed against this miniature perfect person. And then every once in a while you have to remember that like that literally doesn't exist. And And it's like, you know, what am I doing? It's not like I can look to how someone dealt with the last pandemic, you know, this is this is something new. This is a unique experience. No one really knows what's going on. So it's more important that we're all happy, that we're focusing on what's really important. And then the kids sort of started finding their own projects and doing their own things. And actually I look back on on it and find that actually we'd been we were really quite creative. Like not I'm not saying it was that, you know, anything wonderful, but we were just sort of doing the things that made us happy. So lots of drawing, lots of hanging out in the garden, lots of playing, lots of making stuff. And that was actually, it was quite simple. That's kind of what we needed, I think, because the news was so heavy, wasn't it? 
Push Your Peak is a brand new podcast brought to you by What Bike. Join me, Louise Minchin, and some of the world's most incredible sports people to learn what it takes mentally and physically to push yourself beyond your limits. Whether you're an elite or everyday athlete, it can be hard to continually progress. How do you push yourself out of your comfort zone? Where do you go to find that inner drive? Tune in to hear these inspiring stories and take away the belief that you can achieve your own goals no matter how big or small. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search Push Your Peak. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So it's such a weird time. And I think it's really interesting that everyone just has their like really unique and personal experiences. Obviously, I, I was pregnant, so I didn't have to do homeschooling. And I just thought I was scared and worrying about my family. But I can't imagine having to navigate being a mom and be the voice of calm to your kids at the same time when you're like panicking um, yourself. And I also loved seeing you know, so many people just did so many like wonderful and creative things and you being one of them with your, your kitchen discos. And I'd love to talk to you about that because I know that you're obviously going on tour, which I just think is the most amazing thing. It's testament to like finding the positives, I suppose, in like scary times, because yeah, I, I think it's great. Like how did, how did the kitchen disco sort of idea come about and kind of escalate into what it is now? That's a national tour. I know it's quite bark- barking really. Um, so at the beginning of the first national lockdown, we'd already been on our own mini one because one of the kids had been sent home from school with a cough the week before. And this was at the time when obviously nobody had any tests or anything. So if anyone had any symptoms, it was like, you better you better go home and isolate. And so should everybody that you've been in touch with. So, so I was feeling absolutely useless, actually. You know, I could see all the diaries, the, the, the gigs in the diary, like falling away like dominoes. And... Um, I thought, oh, I, I kind of want to connect with people and reach out, but I don't know how to do that. I can't accompany myself on anything. This is a bit useless. And Richard said, why don't we do one of your party sets that we'll do a gig? 
we'll do it live on Instagram and we'll just use the sound system in our kitchen and see what happens. And I thought, oh, that's that's really loopy, but I haven't really got anything else I'm up to. And so we set, set about planning it. And um, at the time, yeah, Mickey was 14 months old. So he was sort of crawling around the floor and the kids, I don't really know if they have much idea what we were up to. I just said, you know, you can come if you want, let's dress you up. It just gave us something to think about. And after we'd done the first one, I was pretty sure people were going to make fun of me because I thought, I thought it looked pretty insane, to be honest. And it kind of was quite insane. But uh, people were really warm and they they seemed to, you know, I just got these, this wall of like warmth from people. And I thought, oh, that's nice. Maybe other people are quite enjoying that feeling too. Let's do it again next week. <laughs> and then we just didn't really question it. It just became the thing we did every Friday. And I think it just gave us a lovely distraction. And also as a family, that is how we sort of deal with stuff. You know, I thought, I didn't, I thought people... Maybe like me, they didn't, not everybody needed to kind of indulge in feeling sad and pensive. Like we were doing enough of that by ourselves. I just wanted to have half an hour of just something other, like something silly and daft and a bit irreverent. And, and, and for the kids, I didn't, I didn't care if they, you know, wanted to dress up or whatever. I just wanted them to have this space where they could just let some of the tension out, you know, and jump around and have their mum and dad a bit distracted. It's just really good for the stress, like really good and fun. And then we'd have a cocktail and maybe a takeaway. And it was like just <laughs> something I looked forward to. Plus it helped us remember it was Friday. Otherwise it was just, you know, another day and another day. And I was learning lyrics to new songs. And so for the tour, I would always have gone on tour at some point this year, but doing the kitchen disco tour is like, I, I must confess, I feel quite, you know, it's, I've got quite a selfish reason for doing it really because while I was doing these gigs and singing into the back of Richard's phone, I just thought, I just want to see everybody. I want to see who I'm singing to. I want to experience it with, with the crowd, you know, with people. So, so yeah, it's going to be like really special, I think, because it's kind of the end of the, the end of the sentence. It's like the bit I always promised myself I'd do if we could. So I'm like really glad we can. Are your kids doing it as well? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think think it would be actually just too much for me to handle if they were also crawling around the stage and climbing up stuff. You know, it it was touch and go with the the Instagram gigs. And remember, they were actually only about 25 minutes long. They're quite dinky. And the thing with that is I'd always reassure myself every week before we went live, like, we can just stop if something goes wrong, if something goes wrong with the tech, if one of the kids does something stupid, we can just stop. But um, with the gig, I feel like people might not be so sympathetic if I just come on for 25 minutes and then <laughs> call, them, call it a night if one of the kids like picks up a drumstick and starts beating up another one or something. So <laughs> so funny. What's it like um, as a mum to five boys? Because I feel like I'm still getting my head around the fact that I'm like the responsibility I feel as a mum to a boy. And especially when whenever you know, like you read about like bad things that happen, like violence against women. There's always this meme that comes around that says protect your daughters and then it's crossed out and it says educate your sons. And I think I probably would have like thrown that around really loosely before I was a mum to a boy. And now that I am a boy mum, I'm like, okay, but what does, what does that mean? And well, like what advice can you give as, um, I mean, you're a mum to five boys, so it's a huge responsibility. It is, but I think, you know, Firstly, I think the, the time I was most aware of, of what gender I'd had in a way was when I had my first before he started articulating himself. Because obviously, especially with your first, so much is made of 
all we're gonna have is it a boy or a girl and then when they when they arrive you know even if you haven't got your baby with you that's the thing you can talk about oh you've had a boy and then there's all these expectations of what a boy is or what a girl might be and as soon as Sonny started becoming his little self I realized that a lot of those things didn't really they weren't really part of him you know and then I started to get almost a bit frustrated by it because I thought I'm looking at all these mainly really ugly boy clothes that sort of suppose a certain version of a little boy that I don't feel I've had. I don't think I've had that guy. I think I've had someone different. And then as it goes on, you know, and more and more of their personality comes out, you know, you realize that all that stuff about educate your sons, that's obviously, I totally agree with that, but I think you'd want to do it anyway, because you've got your own small person and it's really instinctive to want to make sure that they feel equipped to deal with the world and you want them to feel empowered and you want them to feel knowledgeable and you don't want to you want them to be nice people and you want them to be empathetic and kind and thoughtful and i think it was quite instinctive to start telling sunny about different experiences i had you know age appropriate things but you know he's nearly 18 now so I think he kind of knows most things about me, really. <laughs> I think, you know, you instinctively want to raise someone that's that's kind and considerate. Um, so I don't think I don't think I'd need a hashtag for what to want to do that anyway, really. And actually, I think that for young kids now, their whole language around those topics is really great. It's much, much better than it was when I was at school. Um, so, you know, with Sonny, he's He's brilliant um, when I talk to him about all sorts of things. And, you know, he's very um, calm about talking to me about stuff. And, you know, I know they've had chats about consent and stuff like this at school and about gender identity and all of this stuff. And he, he, we have great conversations. And sometimes I've, he's educated me about stuff or helped me see things from a different way. So I think really, I think you have to remember that, yeah, of course, you're, you're his mum, you know, there's lots of stuff that he'll look to you for, but actually you're, you don't have to be all things to all people. And so long as they've got lots of people around them, they can talk to and experiences and, you know, friends and all this, there's, there's a lot of voices that they'll get and they'll actually be reinforcing very similar themes because it's something that's very much thought about now. So I think, you know, it's not all on you is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) It's so interesting, isn't it? Because, yeah, you. I feel like, um, obviously, Alf isn't at school yet. He actually started it at the Childminders. Um, today's his first, like, proper big day. So I'm actually, like, I keep looking on my phone because I'm like a bag of nerves because uh, it's such a scary thing. He's only doing two days a week, but um, it, it's it's his first experience of going off into the world and connecting with people that aren't, aren't mom, dad, family, friends. It's exciting and it's scary, but it, it's interesting what you're saying about even around like the sort of gender stereotyping, because the world's obviously moving very quickly. And, and I, I love, I love how things are progressing and I wish that some of those topics and the conversations, and I wish that there'd been less stereotyping about what a man is and what a woman is when I was younger, but I also feel a bit like I'm watching it on the peripherals, but you it's interesting what you're saying that I forget that he's going to be going to school in these environments. So he'll, he'll be teaching me a lot of these things. Yeah. You can have, you can definitely have quite open conversations and it's nice. And they get older. It's really nice. I love, I love talking to Sunny about stuff. What do you think your favorite 
stage of um, motherhood was or has it varied with each child? Oh, I think, I mean, objectively, I've always rated the age of three just because I think they're really good company at three. They're like, that's what my youngest is now. And he's, they're kind of uninhibited and a bit, a bit loopy because they just have all these creative ideas and want to do all sorts of imaginative play. And they've got the language to be able to tell you what they want to do but they're completely untethered by any sort of self-consciousness. And so we have a lot of fun and he wants to play all the time and he makes me laugh and he's a bit of a sponge as well. So I find that age really lovely, but then, but then I love it when they get older and you can have different chats. The hardest bit is probably when they're sort of in that limbo between child and sort of adolescent, just because they, they kind of want to be all things at the same time. We want to be, feel safe and, act little when it suits them but they also want to have the independence and you know look to the next bit so that's kind of the most sort of like that's the most like ice skating you know that's the bit where you're you can fall over really easy but but actually for the most part I think there's there's lots of good bits that happen along the way so no I think I think it's all good really and as I, I love I love having someone who's nearly adult I'm like I'm sort of impressed he, all he has to do is just exist and get older and I'm like wow I did that <laughs> I take all the credit for him being near adult basically <laughs> is, it, is it weird to think that you're a mum of an 18 well, an almost 18 year old is it just because people say it goes really quickly or do you feel like you can't remember life before it I don't know if I feel like it's gone by that fast but it's just really satisfying and I love the fact that you know he's he's really funny and so there's something really lovely about when your kids have a view of something or an observation or a joke and it's really fresh and you just think, oh, that that's completely just you. Because especially with your first, you spend so much time picking up on everything and, oh, who do they look like? And I think they've got this person's eyes and this person's nose and, oh, they take after you with this, that and the other. And then you realise, actually, no, they're just mostly just them, actually. I, I you know, they're their own person and that's that's really great. And then you're just exploring who that person is and what they need from you. I don't even think my kids, I don't think I'm exactly the same mum to all of them even because some of them need diff- slightly different things from me. That's interesting because also I feel like becoming a mum, I mean, I, I found it the most incredible, like supportive like community. I feel like I've entered this like real world of like sisterhood. I think that you can live an amazing life without children, but it's like if you decide to have children, it's like you're sucked into this like coexisting world where everything's the same but nothing's the same and it I, I've just found I found it crazy but then I've also found it quite difficult to adjust as sort of like the opinions and the judgment and the controversial topics that I had no idea that were controversial such as like sleeping and how you feed your child did you did you put pressure on yourself with like things like feeding or sleeping or did you find that you relaxed with each baby or did they all have like a unique journey probably relaxed more with each baby yeah I feel I feel like um I probably scrutinized my choices a lot more when I had one or two and I think I think actually um the most miserable week I had with my first was when I tried to follow this awful book someone had given me called the contented baby book. And I don't, I don't think it's fashionable anymore, but then it was very fashionable. And it's um, this woman called Gina Ford and it's very sort of by the clock when to feed and when to do this and when to do that. And it's completely joyless. So the week I tried it, you know, Sunny was miserable. I was miserable. And I put the book in the bin and I sort of didn't really look back actually. It was like, 
what am I doing? And I think the thing you realize is that the people who've got very strong opinions about how and what you should be doing with your child, that is all about them and not at all about you. And I've sat next to people that I will probably never see again at some, I don't know, some dinner party or something. And they can have quite strong opinions about, about, I don't know, how it should be done. And I end up feeling like, why don't you just tell me what you want me to say? And then you can go home happy thinking that's what I do. And I can go home to my real life where I'm happy with how I do things. And both of us are okay. Like, I don't know. I just feel like as long as you've got good intentions, there's so many ways to do it. And isn't that joyful? Because then you walk into a room, like when you're with your mates, I bet you don't think, oh, actually, I can kind of tell that you um, were breastfed till you were four. And I can kind of tell that you only had formula from birth. Like, it's just a load of bollocks. Like, you know, it's all going to, pretty much everybody's going to hit pretty much the same milestones in their own way. And it's, it's just going to happen. And then, and then no one will ever ask those questions ever again. I mean, and do you know when any of your mates started solid food or how long they slept for when they were 10 months? Like, it's just, it's funny, isn't it? Because when you're in it as well, and when everyone's giving their opinions, that you're, it feels so very important, but you're right. Like, I mean, I think I was formula fed and, I, I've, I've, I don't have any like major health problems at this stage. I'm 34, so yeah, I, I feel like that's really like nice, solid advice for people listening as well to just do what feels right. Yeah, and also, people who made the formula spent hours trying to, you know, days, weeks, months trying to make sure that what they created was exactly right for the for a baby. Like that's their job. So, so don't worry. You know, there's people out there. There's lots of support. Lots of professionals. I mean, of course, if you're not happy, if something's not working for you, go seek advice. That's wonderful. I've done it many, many times over. And I love feeling like there's a team of people that I can speak to about things like that's that's my community. That's how I do it. If I've got a problem with something, I I go, who can I speak to? And I, I take great solace in that. But but if something's working for you and your baby's fine and you're fine, then just keep doing it. It's all good. I feel like that's like really reassuring, even though when you say it, it's like, of course, it's it's so obvious. And also we've all lived adult lives without anyone having such a strong opinion over how we are adulting. You know, like some people love to travel, some people love to dance, some people hate dancing and nobody's like, oh, I can't believe this. And then for some reason, it's almost like with motherhood, it, you can become a bit tunnel visioned with it. So it's like nice and exciting. It's an exciting reminder. <laughs> it's the first time I've spoken to someone with older kids and it's the first time I've started to like visualize like I wonder who else is going to be when he's 18 and also who I'll be when he's 18 and that is the absolute joy of it like that's kind of how I see my role really is just helping them come the sort of the happiest version of whoever it is they're destined to be anyway I that's what I said before about it. it's so react it's so much more reactive parenting than I realized you know they are who they're going to be and I'm just I'm just the one that's sort of trying to help them get there really so yeah <laughs> oh it's so nice every, every week I always I always read out um, a question or a comment from someone who has written in I'm very excited because it's our first ever voice note hi Ashley um, my name's Katie I'm listening from Northern Ireland um, I absolutely love your podcast um, I find it really relatable I have a 10 month old baby boy who is exclusively breastfed um, so I've always followed all your Instagram stories and your posts and just like most of the stuff you talk about I could write it myself 
Um, so just thank you for being so open and so honest about motherhood and about breastfeeding. Um, I've always found it really reassuring hearing your stories and just knowing that so many other people like you go through all these same challenges in motherhood. Um, and I loved your podcast with Tommy. It really reminded me of me and my husband. Um, I just felt like, again, we could sit and say those things ourselves. Um, and you are both just so humble and just so genuine and I really love that um, and it's really 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 reassuring hearing about your um, stopping breastfeeding story and that's something that I've been really nervous about as like you my baby feeds all through the night um, you know six or seven times sometimes he'll take a feed and that's really really hard being the only one to be there for him and the only one that can settle him so like, oh yeah, it's really, really tough, but it's really good to hear that you were able to get through that and um, you were able to stop successfully. Um, not that you've stopped because pumping is still breastfeeding for sure. Um, but it's just, yeah, a really reassuring story. And it's made me feel like when the time comes for us to stop, that I can get through it because I've been so nervous for that. Um, so thank you for sharing that story in so much honesty and so much detail. Um, and yeah, just thanks again for your podcast and your Instagram um, and just being so open and so relatable. It's just been a really nice sort of place for me to go um, to your Instagram page or your podcast when I'm feeling a bit low in motherhood or feeling a bit alone. Um, so thank you for that. And I hope that you're doing really well. Thank you so much. And if you do want to leave a voice note, that will potentially get played out. Maybe you need some advice. Maybe you're in tunnel vision with new motherhood and um, you want advice whether it's from me or hopefully a guest that knows what they're doing way more than me like Sophie the number is 075 999 or of course um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts then you can leave us a review if you write it out and if you do want any advice then you can write it there as well and we can always read it out and Sophie I've loved chatting to you but thank you so much for your time especially as a mum of five I don't know how you're doing the juggle and and I would say well I don't you know I'm not I'm not an expert I I have experience but I definitely know I'm still learning as well <laughs> just feeling my way so along <laughs> I, I feel like that's the joy of it and you've honestly like I feel really excited like even to go pick up my little boy from Chaco but you've made me really excited to think of the future because I feel like you only really think of or I've only been really been thinking of them as who they are now and um, yeah, you've definitely given me some nice food for thought and I'm, I'm very grateful for your time. That's so sweet. Well, whoever he is, there's a lovely quote in the, in the film Lost in Translation where Bill Murray says, you have your kids and then they turn out to be the nicest people you've ever met. Aww. So, you know, you really like them, even when they, they might cause you despair like sometimes and stress. But ultimately, you're like, they're the best people. They could become your favourite people for sure. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there'll be times where I'll be like, Sophie, what should I do now? And I'm at this, this, this stage, but... Feel free. I, you can add me to your community. That's absolutely fine. I, I've done that for people as well. I'm very happy to do it. It's a nice feeling, actually, because I think I know how significant those things are. And maybe I'll need your advice about something one day. <laughs> Who knows? That, that will be the day that people start having to be for advice, especially with around parenting. I look forward to the day where people trust me that they think I might know what I'm doing. Um, um, but thank, thank you so much. And to everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed the podcast as much as I have. And um, if you have enjoyed this episode and you, or you think that someone might benefit from listening to it, then of course, spread the news, tell someone about it. Um, and I'll be back same time, same place 
next week. Lovely. Thanks so much. Thank you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.